put it up for a vote. Talk shit. But it, and, uh, live. I, I, I thought they all went up for a vote. An idiot. Huh? I thought they all went up for a vote, or no? No, they don't. They they get automatically approved and unless we want to put them up for a vote. They, vote like this week, there's three trades pending right now. Yeah, the other ones are fine. That's nothing, yeah. I mean, this looks like, you don't understand. I mean, I just looked at it right now. That's why I was not asking you about it because I was just trying to see when the waiver wire turns over. And, I mean, I look at this thing, and, I mean, it jumps off the screen. I was like, what? That's like, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad I'm not the only one that I, that I that thought that that was just completely ridiculous. <laughs> I think we should put it up for a vote on the on the league, but we'd have to we would have to figure something out because what happens if everybody doesn't vote? This thing goes through tomorrow. And it doesn't then it stalls out. I mean that's what happens. Right. Yeah. I mean. That's the way democracy works, man. Sometimes the wheels of government move slow. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's going to raise some, it's going to definitely ruffle feathers, but I'm with you. I think it's a completely bullshit trade. I don't understand it at all. What else is shaking? Not much. Feel free to put it up on the, on the, on the uh, the message board. No, that was a good trade. I'll, 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 the way. We'll get a we'll get. A, I, I'm saying like you don't understand. I was hemming and hawing because I I you know see why Hilton gets garbage time. You yeah, know what I mean like that's what it comes down to. Um, You've been just devastated by injuries now. Yeah. No, the Keenan Allen one was the last straw. I mean, it's yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, I had now what do you do? Weeks. Right, exactly. I, I could play a team of waiver wire guys, I guess. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, unreal. Let's do. Let's go. Um, Ohio State Browns versus Bengals special preview, and then uh, um, just the NFL show. We're just doing straight picks on the NFL show, so no fans. Okay. Um. Let's say. We can include this garbage. Well, no, yeah, I was going to talk about this is fantasy gold. Here's your fantasy gold. (laughs) Aaron Rodgers for Gary Barnett. That's gold. (laughs) All right. Um, What were you going to say? No, the Ohio State is pretty simple. It's just, uh, of course, JT Barrett. Um, You know, how you feel about the way it's handled. Look forward to the Ohio State. So, you know, like Browns, it's, you know, look back at the Cardinals. Ray Farmer's press conference. I don't know if you got a chance to hear that. I didn't get a chance to read it, but I read a lot of the quotes, and uh, I'm up to date on it. You got the the gist of it then. Um, Yeah. And then uh, Joe Thomas, the trade or not the trade, and then looking forward to the that game and then the picks for the NFL. So that's all we got. And then I would like to do a college show tonight. Um, it can be whenever. So I don't know, tonight or tomorrow or something like that. So. All right. This is with an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with E and Jake, the 10th unit report. IMD, Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and repaired. Hey, I'm Jake from Youngstown to see bus. We're talking Buckeye. All right, ladies and gentlemen. 
the most dangerous week in college football for the Ohio State Buckeyes is over. <laughs> the bye week is over. Um, not a laughing matter. J.C. Barrett, of course, at the OVI. We'll talk about that, what that means for the Buckeyes, what that means for that young man. Uh, we will go ahead and look ahead to the big matchup with Minnesota Saturday night and look ahead to what it means for the Buckeyes in the college football world with the rankings coming out. A quick conversation about that as well. Um, Jake, I think, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but I think this is pretty much unanimous for all logical people out there. Everybody's against drunk driving. J.T. Barrett, whatever semantic words you want to use, um, heinous uh, decision-making, and we've all seen every spectrum of Buckeye fan react. Right now, I am not happy with the level of suspension, but I don't work at the university. I'm not, you know, an athletic director there who's, in my opinion, as you heard me say on here many times before, has done one of the worst jobs in the history of any university, in my opinion. Um, they got out in front of this thing trying to say that they were suspending him one week, doesn't match the policy, yada, yada, yada. He's underage. The whole thing just looks bad. Ohio State handled it bad. And um, and now they caught flag for also the part of the suspension that will keep J.T. Barrett from getting his summer scholarship. So, uh, pretty bad handling all the way around with Ohio State this situation. Um, when it comes to the football side of everything, I'm not worried about it. We still got the guy that's ten to know as a starter, so that to me is not something. I just think Ohio State could have handled the situation better. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's such a delicate situation when you're talking about. I mean, all players should be treated equally, but we all know that's not the case in anything you do. Um, however, uh, the punishment does match other, uh, some other previous Buckeyes when you're talking about the Hireman thing, um, and, uh, the name's slipping me now, um, the other kid involved in that. The lineman, um, I can't think of his name either. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, as far as alcohol related incidents, uh, the, the most interesting thing that came out of that was that they released them to Cardell and I was down here in Columbus listening to uh, the fan yesterday and heard Bobby, Bobby Carpenter say that Cardell Jones was actually in a passenger in the car with him when the incident happened. It's not like Cardell came out and picked up JT at the police station. So my question is, was Cardell drunk too? And if he wasn't, why the hell didn't he drive? And it's, it, it, I, it, I don't know, it's just, there, it seems like there's a cloak of secrecy as to what's what's really going on. There feels like there's something, uh, I don't know if there's something else going on, but uh, it, it, like you said, it just wasn't handled um, with, with clarity, I, I guess I'm saying. Well, when it comes to the details of the incident, it pretty much is irrelevant to me um, because, and it, this is basically stuff that I've read everywhere that's on the internet, but um, and related to me secondhand. I haven't heard it from JT or Cardell, and I mean I've seen a police report that was published. But basically, I mean it's three o'clock and something in the morning. Checkpoint at High and Tompkins. They pull away from the checkpoint and get pulled over, pulling away, and they were trying to switch drivers at that point. So. Um, oh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people have been in that situation when you're arguing with a friend and they want to drive home and you finally just relent and say, yeah, but you know, you can, in case things get bad, you can stop the car and then take over. But 
you try to just, you know, make it a little easier to not have a fist fight over it. And um, yada, yada, yada. My whole thing is, you know, they didn't hurt anyone. Um, thank God the law enforcement was doing their jobs and they did it. I mean, it, it, it to me, the, the decision was badly made once, we, once you got to the car, put the keys to the car. I mean, you can't get back from that. I mean, you got arrested, so it's how you deal from it from there. And my point on that side of it is, you know, you give the appearance of the Ohio State University like you care more than football. You know, I mean, you, you take all these cases on an individual case basis. He's an underage college student that, you know, had an alcohol-related incident. The way it usually goes is it's, you know, something a little longer than a one-week suspension. So I, technically they're right. Technically they can do whatever they want to because they're the university, but I mean, to me, it just was handled poorly. It rolls out at the time of college game day when, you know, Ohio State, Urban Meyer's on the book tour right then, talking to every media outlet all around the country basically all last week. And that Saturday morning, I don't understand how he didn't call in the college game day to, like, handle it right then. I mean, that's that's my whole thing. You know, we have an incident with our quarterback. I wanted to be the one to say it, you know. He will be suspended indefinitely. I mean, that's the whole word. You use that terminology, then nobody can say, "Oh, well, they used the wrong." People automatically jumped all over the suspension part of it. Um, you know, uh, it is what it is, you know. Uh, yeah, you know the other, the other thing that is disappointing is, and, and it's always disappointing when something like this happens, and any player. Uh, I mean, on any team, but when it's your team and it affects, and it really affects you. Uh, for it to be the quarterback and the leader and a guy that just established himself as that leader of this team, it, 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 I mean, it put the, the the social issues away football-wise. Uh, it, it was just kind of a shock to the system. Uh, you know, you think you know these guys based on media reports and everything else, and it, it just shows you, you don't know. Uh, everything about everybody, uh, and uh, you know maybe it's a wake up call to not be surprised when when stuff like this happens uh, to an athlete. Yeah, hey, I'm never really too surprised. Nothing. I mean, I'm I, I don't want to say I'm desensitized, but I know people are human beings. I mean, we you know people make bad decisions. So uh, not to get into that whole side of it, but when you when you think about um, moving forward at Ohio State. Um, and we'll probably talk more about it because I know we'll get uh, another perspective on it from an outside of Ohio State fan base uh, perspective of it when we do our college football show. But to me, it's a situation where it happens to all different people. But the the point that you hit on was the fact that he's the leader, you know, two-time captain, you know, starting quarterback of the team. And considering everything that they've been through this year, it goes back to the one thing that we talked about earlier this season when, you know, Joey Bosa and, um, you know, the receivers, Corey Thomas, had got in trouble. It, the, these guys are the most unfocused football team in the country. And I think now with the rankings being that they're number three in the country behind Clemson and LSU with Alabama bringing up the rear, I think now, you know, more than ever, if they don't come together in these last four games and get it together, then they're going to see their season not in the way that it did last year. Right, and and it can go either way. It, it could be a rallying call or it could be a huge distraction. And where the distraction is going forward isn't so much the the DUI. It, we're back at 
square one almost with the quarterback situation. If Cardell Jones comes out and throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns and we beat Minnesota by 21, what happens next week? Now, from what I've been hearing and around Columbus is uh, from some decent sources is that it's JT's job when when the suspension's over. Uh, they plan on moving forward with JT. But if Cardell makes that a hard decision based on the circumstances now, there may I don't know if there'll be some blowback. Uh, it's 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 a situation that could be distracting very quickly going forward. Much less the distraction it is already been. Well, here's the one thing that I'm happy about when you talk about distraction. I think it's at least consolidated to that one side of the football. The defense has been playing lights out no matter what's happened in these games early on in the season and throughout. Um, you know, they've given up some big plays, but for the most part, they've helped win some of these football games. With the, They've had a huge impact on some of these football games. Um, and, I, you know, I, it, so that part of it gives me some solace. To me, what I want to see coming up Saturday night against Minnesota is Taylor Decker, Billy Price, Jacoby Bourne, Pat Elfline, and Chase Fair step up. I want to see Ed Warner and Tim Beck put together an offensive game plan that will use Cardell Jones' strengths. If they do that, then Ohio State will be successful. I kind of felt that, you know, we went back to the, well, our system is, you know, Cardell should be able to work with it. We'll have him still run the same quarterback runs, but he's not going to be effective because he's not as fluid as JT running the offense and he's not as fast. So give him the plays like you did last year that he can excel in. Give him, you know, the is you could you could clearly see that Cardell was struggling through the system, and it's really not his fault because he's just a built a different type of way. He's a bigger, stronger, I mean, quarterback. So you know, he doesn't have the finesse to run that read option as good as you know JT Barrett. But the, the funny thing is, before this situation, people were screaming for JT Barrett. Now they're against him. Um, and the other thing that's funny about it, too, was that J.T. Barrett was getting a little frustrated. Maybe that's why he was blowing off the steam, but once again, not justified. But they were saying that he didn't have the arm to throw like Cardell. So the distraction has been there. Um, one of the things that gave me a little bit of solace with that situation, too, was that they were actually together, and Cardell was there to pick them up. I still think that this this thing could be, have a whole different dynamic if these guys weren't friends, and it could be a bigger distraction for the team if that was the case. Yeah, uh, I've heard on Twitter and the uh, the the, the uh, shit. I'm sorry, it's early. <laughs> I've heard on Twitter and just some of the visceral reaction uh, that that happens there. Uh, you know that maybe Cardell Jones uh, gave him a celebratory six pack uh, for for covering the uh, for for making starting quarterback or he uh maybe dialed up the police to get his job back but uh not to make too much light out of it um it it is you're right it's great to see that these guys you know have this relationship and it it's really unique i i don't see that you don't see this very often where you've got a heated position battle at one of the top universities in one of the top positions, the most, uh, one of the most uh, dynamic positions in college football. So for them to be able to still maintain a relationship and be friends, it shows that it's bigger than, uh, than situations on a football field. 
uh, as far as Cardell and the game plan and that sort of stuff, they got to stop putting them on the edge. Uh, what worked when he came in last year against the big boys was a power running game, you know, and, and it's okay to run a read option if he's, if his option is going off tackle, but if you start going off the edge with uh, straight option pitches, he's just not effective. So we got to be able to, like you said, get the lineman going and get Ezekiel Elliott going up the middle. Just pound the ball, and then everything works off of that as far as play action. Use his talents, take shots down the field, and uh, it, it should be fine. I agree. I mean, you look at the Minnesota, first of all, you got to talk, I mean, we'll probably get into it again, but <laughs> I mean, I really, it's very sad to twist Jake to retire, yada, 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 but that has to be the worst 20 seconds of football that I've seen a team do. They come out on the goal line against the team up north and do three different shifts from the fullback going out to <laughs> off tackle to the, 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 uh, <laughs> They had three backs back there, another back going out to set out wide, and then another back. I mean, and they lose like 13 seconds of the last two plays with no timeouts, and then they can't even uh, get a, a decent playoff in the last two the two plays that they had, and they lose the game. It's one of the saddest situations I've ever seen. So Minnesota, I think they, they are emotionally spent after losing a little brown jug when they thought they had won it. Um, and – you know, Mitch Leidner had left a lot of balls out there. You know, they have 14 turnovers this season already, and this is not the same Minnesota team they were last year. And with the Buckeyes being, you know, 23-point favorites, I, I see the Buckeyes rolling here huge. I think like, all the things you just talked about with Cardell being in the pocket a little bit more in that power running game, I think we can definitely see that. And, uh, you know, there's something else interesting about this dynamic coming up. The depth chart was released, and there's a familiar – guy that's behind Cardell Jones now. And it's not one of the Mr. Ohio's or Stephen Collier. It's actually Braxton Miller. So he's had the 10 weeks to rest that shoulder and actually might be able to throw again. And if that's the dynamic, too, that'll be another wrinkle. And I think we're going to see that in the red zone or maybe even a little bit more. Um, even though I would like to keep Braxton that receiver, I think that's something Urban's going to do just to keep you know the big boys guessing as we go down the road here at the end of the season. Finish off your thought on that Minnesota last play. Don't forget, too, Michigan was off sides on that play. So they could have had another shot. Uh, but, again, the officials in college football blow a call. Um, as, as far as Braxton goes, you know, I'm curious now to see Cardell play without anyone looking over his shoulder because they're not pulling Cardell Jones for Braxton Miller. Like you said, they may do some red zone stuff with Braxton. But Braxton's going to be on the field as a wide receiver for for most of the game. So uh, Cardell, without any pressure of being yanked for JT Barrett, this will be the first opportunity now since the the uh, end of last year uh, for that situation. And I'm curious to see if a relaxed Cardell Jones might play a little bit more loose and uh, ultimately show you what he's got and what we were expecting at the beginning of the season. Well, a big game at home, another night game. Uh, we uh, don't really have a team besides just win big, and I think that's what we're going to see the Buckeyes do here. I like a score, uh, depending on the weather, but I like a score right now of the Buckeyes, 35-10. to 10. Early weather report, a little blustery, a little cool down here. You know, for November, it's going to be actually pretty nice weather in, the, in around 50 degrees, 55 degrees, so. 
the weather shouldn't be too big of a factor for throwing the football, uh, which is bad news for Minnesota because they, if one thing, they can't, they they don't throw the ball very well. Um, the big key for the Buckeyes here is get ahead. You, you got to get up 14 points on these guys. If you do that, they're going to have a very hard time uh, coming back and scoring a bunch of points. It makes them one-dimensional, and it's the dimension they're not strong at, and that'll be a field day for the Silver Bullets. Uh, I, I think the Buckeyes end up winning this one 38-6. And that, that's a huge thing. They've got to get a first-quarter touchdown. We finally had two weeks consecutive back-to-back with uh, Penn State and Rutgers, but you, you've got to get up now. And I want to see some slants, just some simple slant plays. You know, Michael Thomas, you know, Jalen Marshall. I mean, use Cardell's fast, you know, their strong arm. He'll whip that ball to these guys. So, and I mean, let's be honest, you know, Minnesota, they got one big corner, but they don't got, you know, a nickel corner that, you know, can jump in between Braxton Miller and the ball. So that, that's something else I see that help us get out that fast start. And also, like you said, running that ball, getting the big, big early, getting the slops up there and getting the push in the first quarter, not just the fourth quarter. So, uh, as always, so be- oh, hold on. First of all, the other bet, so to end the show on a lighter note, I know we had a little somber tone considering the beginning of the show, but the best thing that came out of this weekend was to an Ohio State alumni. Um, and if you didn't see this Kirk Herb Street during the Notre Dame Temple game, <laughs> when the zombies <laughs> this guy shrieked like, yeah, you know, the world was coming to an end. I mean, it was like yeah. a walking dead line. <laughs> I I have never heard a woman go to that high of a pitch. <laughs> he was he was off screen, running away from these two little monsters with the shriek of a witch. It was uh, one of the more funny things I've seen in a long time. Uh, and the fact that it happened to Herb Street made it even a little bit better. Um, oh my but, uh, I mean, he, he had he really had the terror in his eyes. I mean, oh, he, he, it was so priceless. It was it, it will live forever. It's Kirk Herb Street infamy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back next week with the tenth unit report. Um, looking for Jack Willoughby, who's now the uh, we talk about so much about the QB battles. The kicker battle has been definitely solidified. Jack Willoughby is the guy, so kick him straight, Jack. We will be back one next la- week with the Tennessee Sports. One last thing, Dee, before we wrap it up. One last thing. Um, I mean, we'll mention it again in the college football playoffs, but uh, the first uh, college football uh, playoff poll came out yesterday. And, you know, looking at it, it doesn't really matter. All these teams are going to play back and forth. But what it can do is it can motivate a team that's disrespected a little bit. And if there's two teams that should be playing angry this week, one of them is Ohio State and the other one's Baylor. Uh, so you're going to see – I think that will add some extra motivation to Ohio State this week, uh, being number three uh, and being perceived as the third best team in the nation after winning a national championship and maintaining an undefeated season. I think you could see that play as maybe just a little bit extra motivation uh, for this Saturday. So another thing uh, against the, the Gophers, including, uh, like you said earlier, uh, just maybe running out of steam and uh, emotions after the whole Jerry Till uh, thing and trying to pull off the upset for for their coach last week and coming up just short. Uh, it's going to be hard for them to get up in Columbus to to really give a good shot at the Buckeyes. Absolutely. As always, go Bucks. Buckeyes follow Buckeyes. We'll see you next week on the 10th Unit Report. OH. Iowa.
This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with E and Jake. The Battle of Ohio, the Cleveland Browns take on the Cincinnati Bengals. I am D, Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and bred. And I'm Jake from the O, the C bus. We're talking brownies. Well, the Battle of Ohio is upon us once again. Thursday night football. The Browns are in prime time, taking on the Bengals. Um, first of all, let's briefly get to it. The Ray Farmer press conference, Joe Thomas almost traded, um, and the high drama that ensued. The Browns lose to the Cardinals after coming out to a 27 halftime lead and then just imploding 34 to 20. They lose that game to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, Josh McCown, I mean, given all he's got out there, but Mike Pettin is literally going to put this guy in the grave before our eyes. I don't know what else the Browns can do right now. The The defense is just not where it needs to be. Joe Hayden was out there getting burnt. Um, and you see a Cardinal team that it looked like two different teams on the football field in the first half of the second half. Well, one thing they can do is they can start playing some of the young guys and figure out what we've got. Unless, I mean, they're so bad that you don't even care to find out what they are. Um, you know, for Johnson Batamosi to be playing that many snaps and Pierre Desir to get uh, three snaps the week after starting, uh, and it didn't look like to me that Pierre Desir was way over his head the, the previous week, uh, for Justin Gilbert to not get on the field, for Cam Irving to be playing sparingly at best. You know, here we go again with the draft picks that are, are not uh, – that aren't producing anything for us right now. you got Johnny Manziel, uh, you know, Penn won't put him in. He'd rather kill Josh McCallum than put Johnny Manziel in. Um, it, it just seems so dysfunctional. And it, it was it, it was like summed up by Ray Farmer's press conference, the Cleveland Browns in a nutshell, coming on stage, profusely sweating. You know, it, it was just odd. I mean, at 4 o'clock, the trade deadline came, and you had Mike Pettin, uh, his weekly press conference, scheduled uh, for that time. And then Ray Farmer calls the press conference, and then they put two microphones on the dais, which led you to believe that they might be coming out together to, to figure out what, to let you know what's going on. Uh, not the case. Mike Ben came out for an awkward press conference uh, where he wouldn't discuss any of the trade deadline rumors and the Joe Thomas stuff. And then Ray comes out after Mike Pedden to answer that stuff. And it's a bunch of deflection and sweating and uh, just, uh, just craziness. Uh, it makes me wonder how much these two can't stand each other to not, for, for the Browns to have set up the two microphone stands, and then for them not to have come out together, it just adds to my thought that these two just hate each other's guts and can't well, stand each other. Yeah, it's definitely some kind of power struggle, tug of war, whatever you want to say. The, the Ray Farmer thing, the, the thing that I had the biggest problem with is he still has a level of arrogance, but it's also now that you talk about the deflecting, the, well, that's a Browns decision. No, Ray, you used to say that you're the GM, the buck stops at you, and you make the decisions on the talent. So, you know, the tone is changing, the rhetoric is changing, and I know things, you know, he clearly is in over his head. Um, he's got, you know, a second-year coach, so he can't really lean on him for any tutelage. And the person who's supposed to, you know, be helping them, a president of a football operation who's not a football guy, and Alex Shiner, who's for some reason helping make football decisions. So the whole thing is a, is, is a cluster, you know what, Jimmy Haslam is somewhere, you know, still trying to get Flying Jay 
out of trouble. So we, you know, the inmates are running an asylum, and once again, the Browns are two and six, and they're playing terrible football. Nobody has the answers besides, you know, these guys saying, you know, you got to wait to see how the movie ends. Well, we've all seen how this movie ends. We've all literally seen how the movie ends. We know the script. We know the we know the actor. The name just changed, but the story stays the same. So. When we look at the Cleveland Browns right now, and you go down 71 South, comparing it to what the Bengals are doing, finding a way to win, even when Andy Dalton finally has a bad game. They, you know, were down 17 to the Seahawks, you know, down to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They didn't leave the game until they won the game with two minutes and 47 seconds to go. Cincinnati Bengals are just a better run organization, and you thought you'd never say that. They're the best team in Ohio, the best team in the AFC North, and one of the best teams in the NFL. And for the Cleveland Browns, after all this time, not to be even capable of being in any part of that conversation when you talk about Cincinnati Bengals, there's no hope for Thursday night. Well, I mean, you said something interesting there, that the Cincinnati Bengals are a very well-run organization. Um, It wasn't too long ago that that the Bengals were being talked about very similar to the way we're talking about the Browns. So maybe there's a little hope in that sense that if you get the right person in there, things can change. Uh, one of the thoughts I had yesterday was if there was ever a year to go make a run at Ozzie Newsome, this would be the season. Uh, with Baltimore kind of falling apart, John Harbaugh in limbo, uh, maybe he's been there a little bit too long and his course is run. Uh, uh, nothing would get Brown's fan base fired up more than bringing in Ozzie Newsome uh, as the team president. But I'll digress from that for a minute. Uh, as far as the Bengals go, I mean, I can't be more impressed with what I'm seeing from them this year. Uh, for them to go into Pittsburgh, uh, I know Pittsburgh's not exactly what they have been in the past, but uh, they're still a 4-4 four and four team that's in the playoff hunt at home. They're very tough to beat. And I know Andy Dolan didn't play his best game either, but when it mattered, he stepped up and put together a game-winning drive. Uh, and that hasn't been the case with him in the past. Now, the hope for the Browns this week is that maybe the Bengals are coming in flying a little too high off an emotional best win of the season. Uh, it's a short week, so there's not a lot of uh, time to game plan for the for the other team. You got Johnny Manziel coming in, which is a wild card factor, and it is a prime time game, and we haven't seen this new much better Andy Dalton in a big primetime spotlight game yet where it's the only game in town. So I know those no, are reaching. No. I know we those can't, are reaching. We cannot. We cannot reach it because I was there. I told the story on here last year when Johnny came in. I don't care about Johnny being different. They lost that game 24-3, one of the worst efforts that I've seen a Browns team played out. Now, let's look at the defense. Yeah, look but at that was, different, John, that was from Johnny. Let's look at what's from different from this year to last year. No Hoyer. We have two guys that, you know, we got two guys that won't be on the field because, uh, well, in and, and addition of a guy, but Joe Hayden's out again. Hawk is out. Whitner's going to be out. Hartline's out, who had a hell of a game last week. Um, no Kyle Shanahan calling offensive plays. And no, you know, defense leading the league in takeaways. This this game is going to be ugly. All these Thursday night divisional games have been ugly. I think we agree upon that. These there have been terrible games to watch, and the Browns are just going to be the ones taking it on this one. I mean, it's it's just this one is. I mean, 
if there ever was a crystal ball or anything that seemed like the steel pole pipe, lead pipe of the week, is that the Browns are going down, the Browns are going down big time. Yeah, I, I hear you, but it's the NFL. And the, and, the Bengals, and, and the Bengals still feel like they got embarrassed last time, last Thursday night football. There's that to it, too. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely – there's no question. The Bengals are the better team, and they're uh, they're playing for more, and they've got some organization. There's not all the distractions going along. But you get on the field on a Thursday night, and you get a couple turnovers. And you you don't know what can happen, especially in a divisional game uh, where these players see each other two times a year and are very familiar with each other. Um, it, it, it lends itself to the possibility of an upset. I'd rather play them on a Thursday night than I would on a Sunday afternoon with a full week. Uh, but you're right. It, it's not like I'm picking the Browns here. I'm just saying that those are that those that's the angle for a, a chance at maybe picking off a sleepy Bengals team uh, that might be riding a little bit high at 7-0. Well, I think the Bengals want to be 8-0 more than anything else. That defense has been unstoppable. Even when the Browns have gotten turnovers this year, whether it was the Broncos, whether it was, you know, Cardinals, San Diego, they haven't been able to finish the job. That's one accurate thing that Ray Farmer actually said in the press conference. Um, So I don't see him finishing the job here. I see him getting them rolled. They're going to get rolled. You can go to sleep early because the game will be over early. 42-3, Bengals, Day Nation will celebrate. Sorry, I was on mute. Yeah, I, I, I don't see a scenario where the Browns end up winning this game. I think they could play it a little bit closer, but it's still not going to be real close. Uh, I'll, I'll take the Bengals in this one, 24-17. Well, hopefully we come back and we're both wrong and we can celebrate a Browns victory and, and, you know, all that good stuff on the next with an Ohio bias special Browns report. But for right now, uh, it's some dire, dire, dire days. So um, at least one team in Ohio will win come Thursday night. As always, enjoy your primetime football, Ohio against the world. This is With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and J. NFL, week nine. Is it week nine or week ten? It's week ten football. Uh, I think it's week nine. Is it? Well, I'll tell you in a second. The Bengals will be 8-0. Yeah, it's week nine. Week nine. NFL, week nine. Preview show, IMD, Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and bred. And I'm Jake from Youngstown to see bus. We're talking the National Football League. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about our fantasy league, give you a little update there, uh, show you what a fantasy gold trade is and what a swindle is, and then we're going to get into <laughs> the picks for week nine, for the week nine NFL action. Jake, we were we were talking about it briefly. Um, you know what? Here's the thing: you made a trade betting that Des Bryant was going to come back. He did return last week, um, still needs a quarterback down there with the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. Um, and you traded Des Bryant for Amari Cooper and played the waiting game. I made a trade last week and just happened to, you know, hit uranium when uh, I traded T.Y. Hilton for Drew Brees. And, of course, we know how that worked out with the seven touchdowns. But something came across the old trade, you know, uh, finder on the uh, fantasy league. 
And uh, this is just one of the most egregious trades I've ever seen. Gary Barnett, Melvin Gordon. I can't even remember. Oh, for Jason Witten and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, these people, this is a stick of collusion and trying to fix something, and it's a team I'm going up against. Yeah, I, I, when I looked at the trade, I, I was like, it, it was a little shocked to the system. And then I looked a little deeper, and, you know, even when you look deeper, it still doesn't look right because when you add up the, the season fantasy points for these two, four players, you know, one team is is seeding forty points, forty points in in this trade. I mean, and it just doesn't. I'm not going to go as far as collusion, but it's a horrible trade in my opinion. Uh, Aaron, just say it out loud: Aaron Rodgers for Gary Barnes, because that's what we're really talking about. You know, if you want to trade Jason Wynn for Melvin Gordon, feel free. That's you know, I think Melvin Gordon's garbage at this point and is worthless. And Jason Wynn is going to have the opportunity to get Tony Romo back here in two weeks and will be, again, one of the top probably five tight ends in, in the NFL. Um, it, it just, to me, I don't know, man, just doesn't seem like uh, a fair trade. And that's as, uh, as, as loud as I will protest at this point. And it's 2015. I didn't know the internet came up with a new thing called smell vision but this trade just stinks. Um, let's get into week nine picks. Uh, we gave you, of course, on the special Browns versus Bengals pick. Uh, weren't too excited about that one, but we get into the Sunday action and no early morning games. We're starting at 1 o'clock, ladies and gentlemen. The Miami Dolphins go in to take on the Buffalo Bills, and they want some extra hot sauce on their wings. What is London going to do this morning or on Sunday morning with no football? Uh, poor London, man. Uh, yeah. Anyway, the Jacksonville Jaguars have to actually play in Jacksonville this week. That's going to be interesting. But uh, as far as this game goes, uh, Miami they got a little bit of a dose of reality this last week. The the uh, PC bro coach Matt Campbell. Uh, he, uh, you know, that that act can only sustain for so long uh, until reality sets in, and that's what we saw. Buffalo is starting to get healthy again. Uh, they'll get Quan Williams back this week. Shady McCoy uh, last week played pretty good. Uh, he still isn't getting the average up there, but he's starting. I mean, he's getting the touches, and he seems healthy now at this point. Uh, I, I think Buffalo is in a more desperate situation, and I think they're the better team. And I think Buffalo gets the win. Well, a huge loss for the Dolphins, too. Not only did they lose that game badly to the Patriots, but they lost Cameron Wake to the season, and that was – that pass rush, I mean, he had, the, you know, the five touchdowns. He had the five sacks in one game against the Texans. Now, I know it's the Texans and they're terrible, but still, you know, the guy was just starting to heat up, um, and he had one against Brady that game. So, uh, you look at that, I think the Dolphins have lost whatever little mojo they got with the spark, like you said, from Campbell. I like the Bills. Tyrod Taylor might be back as well, so I definitely like the Bills here over at the Dolphins. You talk about somebody coming back to reality, but huge game in the NFC. The Green Bay Packers take on the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, this is actually my favorite spot of the week. I think the Packers, I mean, coming on the, going on the road, uh, having to – play just a jacked-up defense. That Denver defense is legit. 
Uh, yeah, I've never, I haven't seen a defense do that to Aaron Rodgers in a long time, made him look human. Uh, but in this situation, Carolina's coming off the short week, overtime, uh, a big win. Green Bay's angry, and the, they'll have the extra day. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers, angry off a loss, is a bad, bad situation for them. Uh, I am taking the Packers here. Well, I'm taking the Carolina Panthers, and I think Aaron Rodgers was exposed there in that Denver defense. And the one thing they had that Denver had, and I'll talk about a little bit more, uh, the guys they had on defense won the Ohio State Buckeyes. But we're going to talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes for the Carolina Panthers. Now, first of all, Ted in has got to catch the damn ball. Um, Philly Brown's out there as well. I know it was a long game, but I think the early start helps them. They'll get going early. And they just – the defense ran out a little gas here in that fourth quarter. Um, and, and thought they had that game put away, but it wasn't. So I think they'll be able to play four quarters early on Sunday. If it was a night game, then I would go with the, the Packers there. But I like the Carolina Panthers right now. they got everything rolling away. Cam Newton is an elite quarterback in this league, and literally, I mean, he, he might be better than Aaron Rodgers coming this Saturday, and I, that's, that's, that's saying something because he's found a way to make the weapons work around him. Aaron Rodgers is still struggling to get that going with the loss of Jordy Nelson and a banged-up Randall Cobb. So Definitely like the Panthers here. And I like their running attack, too, with Stewart. So uh, that that Packers defense is losing a lot. Clay Matthews is hurt. So uh, Panthers roar. Oh, and shout-out to Josh Norman, who's the best corner in the league also, too. You talked about a team coming back from London. Well, yes, the Jacksonville Jaguars will take on the New York Jets. I don't know what to make of the Jets at this point. I know they still have a pretty strong defense, but Geno Smith is terrible. He he may replace, now that Colin Kaepernick is benched, uh, he may replace him as the worst quarterback in the NFL that's starting. Um, and also, you lose, it looks like you're going to lose Brandon Marshall, who's got a couple different injuries going on. Uh, so now you're down to Geno Smith and Eric Decker and Chris Ivory. And that's kind of square one for the Jets uh, going back to last year. I, I, I just don't see them having the offense uh, to, to put up enough, a lot of points. They're going to have to win a lot of these games uh, coming up here with, uh, uh, with defense. Fortunately, this week they play Jacksonville. Um, so, I mean, Jacksonville – for as bad as they've been as an organization, I, I think they could score a little bit. It's just gonna. This is gonna be such a stinker to watch. I think uh, I will take the Jets at home begrudgingly. I don't know how they're gonna score points, but maybe they get a couple turnovers. He talked about Geno Smith. He's gonna be the key in this game because the guy's gonna turn that ball over. I like the Jaguars here. Um, you're gonna see, and he was huge in that game against the Bills. The guy had two interceptions, one for a pick six. Uh, Telvin Smith, the linebacker, one of the fastest linebackers in the league. I think he's the difference in this game, uh, just like he was against the Bills over in London uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I like the Jags here against a bad Geno Smith. I mean, I think everybody that works for the Jets knows that guy's bad, too. They just can't do anything about it. (laughs) And we talk about the Oakland Raiders, who took the Jets apart last week, go in to Pittsburgh to take on the Squidlers. And the injury list continues. It seems every team we're talking about major injuries and no different with the Steelers now losing Le'Veon Bell, maybe the best running back in, in the NFL. Uh, that's 
going to be tough to replace. D'Angelo Williams is capable, but he's not Le'Veon Bell by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, ben looked a little slow uh, and just off last week. Uh, it, you know, maybe an extra week helps him here with that one. Uh, the, uh, the, the Steelers are kind of in a metamorphosis of trying to figure out what they are, and they were real close there, I thought, with uh, the way Le'Veon Bell was playing. The Raiders come in, you know, riding pretty high and playing good football. Uh, it, it's so tough, though, for a West Coast team to come all the way across country for a 1 o'clock kick. Um, I, I just think the Steelers at home in desperate mode uh, find a way to win this one. They they just play so much better at home than they do on the road. It, it's uh, amazing the difference for them. Uh, I'll take the Steelers to get it done against the Raiders. I agree with everything you said. You pretty much laid it out perfectly, but I like this young Oakland team. I mean, basically, they're everybody who the Browns should have drafted. So you're looking at the Cleveland Browns or what the what should have been the Cleveland Browns. Um, uh, I think Khalil Mack gets to D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams actually rushed better than Le'Veon Bell all this year to me. I mean, he's not more talented, but he looked better with the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first couple of weeks, so I think he'll be good this week. But I like the Oakland Raiders because they've been outscoring people, and that's been the real thing. They've got, their car has been the difference with Amari Cooper, so um, I like them to get past the Steelers here. Oh, and shout-out to uh, one guy I'd be happy to be back in the Midwest, and that's Charles Woodson, who has just been out – I mean – it's almost, and it's funny, it's almost like Rob Woodson at the end of his career to see Charles Woodson in the silver back playing safety back there. So there's one for the Squirrelers fans. Do your bone. Rod is God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has talked about the worst quarterback in the league getting benched for maybe a worse, worser, which is not a word, I know, but worser quarterback and Blaine <laughs> Gabbert. The Atlanta Falcons go to Levi Stadium to take on the San Francisco 49 Oh, boy. I mean, there you go. Colin Kaepernick getting benched for Blaine Gabbert. And there were Browns fans at the beginning of this year excited for the rumors that we were going to trade for Colin Kaepernick. That would have been the all-time bonehead Cleveland Browns move of bonehead Cleveland Browns moves to bring that guy in here. Uh, he just he doesn't have it. And what he did have, he's lost because he has no confidence. He has the, the, the 49ers have no weapons. Uh, they lost Reggie Bush, who was their only healthy back. They brought in Pierre Thomas. It doesn't look like Carlos Hyde is going to be effective anymore with that, his foot injury. They they don't have any defense. Uh, I I just don't see them winning another game this season. Um, Atlanta is not playing great. Matt Ryan has been pretty awful, to be honest with you. Uh, but they got weapons, and they've got a coach that knows what he's doing in Dan Quinn. Uh, who's definitely helped that defense uh, take a, a step forward uh, from the Mike Smith era. So I, I just don't see San Francisco, like I said, winning another game, especially with Blaine Gabbert and the weapons that they have right now. Uh, there's not going to be any chemistry between quarterback receivers. Uh, forget about it. Atlanta blows them out. Yeah, I got some simple analysis from some games, and it's going to be, you know, real, real like we go to the quarterback matchup. Playing Gabbert versus Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan all day, Falcons win. The St. Louis Rams go to the state of a thousand lakes and take on the Minnesota Vikings. Two pretty evenly matched teams. Uh, I've I, got to love what Gurley's doing. Um, Minnesota's a pretty stout defense, though. Uh, the the court when you look at the quarterback matchup, you know you got two guys that are kind of struggling. Teddy Bridgewater hasn't had a very good year so far this year. Uh, 
Uh, same could be said for Nick Foles. Uh, I'll give the advantage to home field in this situation and say that Adrian Peterson might be going this week a little bit. Um, but uh, I, I don't feel great about this. St. Louis can go in there and win this game. But I'll take Minnesota to make just a couple more plays in the or than the, the Rams. Yeah, you're going to tell you, Tavon Austin had two touchdowns last week, so they actually used him a little bit. But my biggest problem with uh, St. Louis, they never play as hard as they do against their teams in their division, outside of their division. So, like you, I like the Vikings at home in this one. The Washington Redskins take on the Golden Boys and the New England Patriots. Yeah, uh, another tall task for a team here to go into Gillette and beat the Patriots. The Patriots are pissed, and they're going to be pissed every week. Tom Brady is as focused as he's ever been, and that's just not a good combination. Uh, you, 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 we talk about the two big matchups in any, any NFL game, and that's quarterback and head coaching. So you got Bill Belichick against Pat Gruden, and you got Kirk Cousins versus Tom Brady. Enough said. Patriots. Exactly where I was going with it. Kirk Cousins interception machine against Tom Brady, one of the greatest of all time. Uh, Pats win, Pats win big. The Tennessee <laughs> Titans kick Ken Wizard Hunt in the guitar. No, hold on. The Tennessee Titans hit Ken Wizard Hunt with the guitar and go in to take on the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> <laughs> but Adam, or no, but Adams is in Houston. But uh, whoever, uh, is it McNair? Or, no, it is fun. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I think our true dream is McNair. Yeah, yeah, it's me. So either way, you went all Jeff Jarrett on Ken Wilson and uh, put him out. Uh, Tennessee, you know that that might rally them a little bit, but it, I can't see it being enough at this point to go into the dome and beat Drew Brees the way he's playing. Uh, especially when you got the quarterback situation. Even if Mariota plays, he hasn't played in a few weeks, and I don't trust Menberger at all. Uh, Drew Brees is just playing too good right now. Uh, it, it could be a little bit of a shootout just because that uh, New Orleans defense is so bad, but they do have a really good corner uh, that will be able to limit some of that Tennessee offense, and I think New Orleans gets the win at home. Drew Brees versus, versus uh, <laughs> Zach Mettenberger. I mean, these things, I looked at these pictures, I mean, you look at these quarterback matches, it's just too easy. There's no need to even try to break them. Seriously. The Philadelphia Eagles go in the Jerry's world. They take on the Dallas Cowboys. Well, we finally have two evenly matched quarterbacks, at least. Uh, Sam Bradford playing against Matt Castle. <laughs> you would think that the advantage would go to Sam Bradford, but not the way he's been playing this year. And could this possibly be the week we see Dirty Sanchez? Um, you know, Chip Kelly's stubborn as hell, and any other NFL coach who already would have made this change uh, if Glenn Gat or if uh, Sam Bradford continues to uh, pull the same act that he's been pulling all year, I just can't see Chip Kelly staying with with him at this point in a division that's very winnable still for every team in the NFC East. Uh, as as far as uh, Dallas goes, they're just playing the waiting game for Tony Romo to get back at this point. They got to find a way to get a win. And a division win against Dallas, you got to pull out every stop you you can to try to find this win at home, prime time, uh, and get some sort of momentum going. Uh, I'm going to take the boys in this one. Uh, Darren McFadden running the ball all day over Philadelphia. 
Yeah, this one, I'm not going to look at quarterback. I think it's lucky that Sam Bradford is still upright considering how bad that O-line is, and that's where I'm going to with it. Dallas still has one of the best offensive lines in the, behind Zach Martin and the rest of the guys up front. So I like the Cowboys as well. I like them protecting Matt Castle to make some plays. Um, he has a connection with the Butler kid there. So I think they can get something going there and just get enough points. And I think this is the game that puts Chip Kelly on his way back to college football. Oh, and also, but the Eagles have a special savior coming. Kiko Alonso is actually going to play. So maybe Chip Kelly looks like a genius when Kiko Alonso makes three interceptions and runs them back for touchdowns because they don't have Shady McCoy anymore. It ain't happening. The Chicago Bears take on the San Diego Superchargers on Monday night football. San Diego has been putting up just monster numbers every week and, and losing games, but losing them close. And it, it, it's like they are so desperate for a win to try to get back in this thing. And uh, it may have passed them by now with the injury to Keenan Allen. Uh, I, I don't know if these offensive numbers can keep up. Danny Woodhead's going to have to get involved. Stevie Johnson's going to have to get involved. Uh, their Their run defense is, absolutely putrid. Uh, the Bears aren't much better. Um, it, now it looks like Forte is going to be out for some time. Uh, Jay Cutler has been eh this year. You got Elshon Jeffrey back, but I, I just I, I think it's going to end up being a shootout just because both these defenses are so bad and there's going to be a lot of they're going to both throw the ball a ton. Um I will give the advantage to the home team in this one. Chargers really, really are looking for a win. They've been had their hearts broken every week, it seems like. Uh, I think this is the week that they get to celebrate one. Yeah, I agree. I like Philip Rivers over Jake Cutler in any matchup. I don't care if they're playing pinball. I also like um, – I will say this, though. Alshon Jeffrey bringing back does help Cutler a lot, but without Matt Forte – I think that takes that, you know, offensive attack to one that makes that offensive attack one-dimensional. So uh, let's go with uh, Keenan Allen gets well soon. The kidney thing is a weird thing. But um, definitely like uh, Malcolm Floyd for those fantasy owners out there because Philip Rivers got to throw the ball at somebody. So (laughs) I'm saying Malcolm Floyd is available in a lot of leagues and um, definitely like the San Diego Chargers there. Well, enjoy your Sunday and Monday night football. We'll be back next week with more NFL action. We missed one. You said what? We missed one. Giants and Buccaneers. Oh, I did miss that. Yeah. Oh, how could I ever overlook it? The New York Giants score six touchdowns and lose. Can they put up points against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And the Buccaneers with a shocker this week and got the got the win uh, against the Falcons. So uh, Atlanta played a very has, has played very well this year, despite some of the struggles with Matt Ryan at times. Um, so that was a pretty good win for the Buccaneers. Uh, Jameis Winston, though, I still don't trust. Um, this game should be as about maybe not as explosive as the New Orleans game. But there's going to be a lot of points scored in this one because both defenses are pretty bad. Um, the Giants, I think, are the better team at this point, um, but not by much. Uh, so, begrudgingly, I will take the Giants on the road to get the win at the end of the day. 
I like the Giants as well. I think you're going to get an angry football team after that, the way they lost that game. Um, and Eli Manning was actually on fire. So uh, if he takes that, at least even half of that good Eli shows up in Tampa Bay, they definitely will get past Jameis Winston, who's known to cough up the ball a couple times. G-Man. All right. That's all we got. Um, do you think you can do college tonight? Um, yeah. Yeah, I should be able to do that. It can be after the Cavs game, so. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. It's just, it's just college. We'll do the picks and then whatever you guys want to do for in the book, so. All right, cool. All right, man. All right, I'll talk to you later.